We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 17 of the Cole Sweater Show with Patty Casey. Um, some big news for the Sweater Show this week, Patty. You want to, you want to announce the big news? Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, welcome back to everyone to another great episode. This does feel a little bit different, Swire. I, th- I feel like we had a little bit more pep in our step getting to the microphones today. Cause, uh, it's very different. If you haven't seen, you should have seen by now, you should follow us on you know social media, but I know people aren't obsessed with social media like us. We've joined Blue Wire Podcast Network. Swire, I think I think we deserve a round of applause. Big time. Adam not joining in. Classic. But, yep. um, yeah, I mean, we were just talking a little bit off air. It is... I'm pretty proud of ourselves, Wider. I feel like, you know, 16 episodes in, we're, we're getting our feet wet for a little bit. Now now I feel like we're established to a degree. You know what I mean? Like, Blue Wire's a, a great company. It's a great network. They've got some, some very notable shows, so we're honored to for them to bring us aboard. Yeah, definitely, man. It, they have a lot of great shows, a lot of, a lot of podcasts, and, um, I mean, I think the, the cool thing about Blue Wire is that they have all these different benefits of like in-person studios that we could go to, um, just a really good organization, and it's been a, it's been in the works for a while. They actually reached out to us, boy, after our fifth or sixth episode, they reached out to our producer, Adam Lewis, so um, super excited to be, be with them now, um, and yeah, man, it just kind of gives us a little, uh, just a little bit more official, more official of a podcast. And, yeah, and I'm sure people definitely means we're when they throw on the episode today, they'll notice the little logo in the in the bottom left, the Blue Wire logo. Which, yeah, I mean, thanks to Blue Wire for bringing us aboard. We're we're very very excited. So, um, Swire, I think when you called me, and we were kind of discussing starting the podcast for a while, one of the first things out of my mouth to you were, "I can't wait to do ad reads." <laughs> and now with the Blue Wire acquisition, I will be able to do ad reads. I know that people acquire the Cole Swider show. They probably want you to do the first one, but I got dibs on the first one, then you can take it from there. So, Oh, yeah. You you, you can definitely uh, t- take those away, and I know you do a great job on them like yeah. you do every week on the, on the episode. So. Yeah. But, yeah, man. Um, yeah, so thank you to Blue Wire. Very, very exciting. Um, we say it's a big week for the show every week because of your basketball accomplishments, but this week, both on the court and off the court, we accomplish a little sum as, as a show, but um, yeah, start each week like we normally do. Last week, very good episode, buddy episode. I thought that was maybe our most fun episode of the day. It was a little bit more laid back, having buddy on the second time. He did, uh, he did kind of kick our ass in the drafts wider. Yeah, he did. I mean, it, it wasn't a great showing for me. I kind of went nostalgia, you know what I mean? Events that I've been alive. Yeah, for. you went off the top of your um, head. You could tell it wasn't much. You weren't going for bona fide like pander picks to the crowd. You were just going off Swider's favorite moments, which I respect. Not not necessarily going to win you the draft, but no, yeah. no, and uh, and yeah, I mean, but Buddy picked the best moments. I I, I, I probably should have stole that Tyler and a shot from him. Yeah, that probably was that, that. that hung around too long. The other thing, yeah. I mean, that's another thing. I think we should give our credit ourselves credit for as host of the show is we bring a Bayheim on and we do the best Q's basketball moments. I think he has a little bit. A little bit of an advantage. 
And, and, and I think for me, just just trying to defend myself a little bit, I, I picked that thousandth win thing that that would spark a reaction out of, out of some people, just thinking like, oh yeah, that was just, yeah. that was a real thousandth win. It just didn't happen with, didn't with the bite crowd. On it. So yeah, yeah, they didn't they didn't bite on it. So it's mm-hmm. it's all good, man. Um, the John Gillen shot was a shot that, I mean, I remember really really well. And then that that 2014 Duke game was an all time classic. So maybe not the best picks, but I, I stand by them. Um, definitely didn't win me the draft, but yeah, hey, that's all you can uh, do. Hey, one week when we I want, still, when we I want still have you the to most, win, uh, if we want you to win one week, we'll just do like movie quotes from like Will Ferrell movies or <laughs> healthiest food options or some shit. Yeah, yeah, one of those. Yeah, but get those. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, thanks to Buddy again for coming on. The next night, you guys faced off, which we previewed a little bit, but it's a pretty entertaining game on ESPN Plus. Um, how was that like being on the court with Buddy? That was obviously your first time back in the G League in, in a couple of weeks. So, what were your kind of takeaways from that game? Yeah, man, it, it, it was good. It was it was obviously awesome to play against Buddy. My my uh, my dad reached out to Coach Bayheim and everything like that. So it, mm-hmm. it, it was cool, just kind of kind of being in the family for that one. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we ended up winning the game. Buddy Buddy got hot late, which was uh, I mean, we were we were up, so it wasn't it wasn't as like nut crutching as uh, right. As it could have been, so it wasn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, you know me. I'm probably one of the most competitive guys there is. But uh, to see Buddy knock down some shots at the end when we're kind of up twenty, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was good to see him get going. And yeah, good, good win for us. Um, Motor City Cruise is a really good offensive team. They, they really yeah. started making some shots against us toward, towards the end. Um, yeah, man, took care of business there. But it, it was great to play against Buddy. I got to hang out with him after, go out to dinner with him. I mean, Where'd you guys he's the go? greatest guy in the uh, Joey's Manhattan Beach. Uh-huh. Um, I'm expecting them to send us a, a check in the mail now that we <laughs> that we shout them out. Yeah, um, little uh, little sponsorship. We're open yeah, a little to sponsorship it. deal. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but yeah, man. So so got to hang out with them after. It was just great great to be around them for a couple of days. I mean, uh, everyone was like, oh, it's just like Syracuse practice 2.0. Yeah, just knock it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, got some pretty good pictures with them after. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, it, even a Syracuse fan was in, was in attendance. Uh, a, a player from the nineteen seventy—I don't want to butcher it. Uh, I think it was like nineteen seventy-two Final Four team was there. No way. Uh, yeah, so him him and his family were there watching us, cheering us on. His wife is actually a big uh, listener of the podcast. No she way. Listens every single week. Let's yeah. Listen, listens every single week. She, she says she tries to dra- drag her husband on to um, listen to the podcast. So it was it was great. Here some seeing some uh, Swider Show fans as well as uh, the Syracuse family, which is if, if you haven't seen it by now, it's it's a countrywide yeah. t- type of fan base, which wow. is which is amazing. That's amazing. We gotta we gotta like drop some merch or something soon, so so those people can just wear it <laughs> to the game. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, no, that was a very entertaining game. But he ended up with seventeen. I think he probably had like thirteen of them in the fourth quarter. So. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he was on a he was on a minute restriction, which mm-hmm. kind of hurt him. But I mean, he was he was limping around just cashing threes. <laughs> yeah. It was it was great to see. Like he, yeah. he he hit me with one of those those famous like all right like stare down jab shot. Yeah, it's the slowest jab cash. in the world, but it goes in every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, was, and, and, I, I and, fell and, victim and, to that maybe a thousand times last year. So seriously, but tough man. Yeah, I mean that was. Uh, you were South Bay for that game, and then went back up with the big squad for the next couple games. Um, I want—I mean, it was a pretty eventful week for the Lakers on the court. Obviously, off the court too, which which I want to get your perspective of that because you were on the bench for yeah. for the Shannon Sharp scenario. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, the Portland game, I want to start with because you guys played at Portland. Um, that was like one of the more M- insane NBA games I've ever watched. Yeah, I I just think the I think we've been really un, unlucky this year, like we kind of were last year, of just yeah. like losing like those close games. Like we we talk about it amongst ourselves. Like we lost a close one to Charlotte, a close one to Indiana, a close one to Portland beginning of the year. Um, yeah, we lost to the Celtics, Sixers, Mavericks, all close games. Like like we've just had so many of these close games of 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 like one possession losses, going to overtime when we shouldn't go to overtime, like. And to kind of have that that twenty five point comeback, especially after the game 
against the Grizzlies. It, it was just to have those games back to back. Yeah, it was just kind. Of, it, it was. It was it was great for us to kind of have those games and, and, and build on it from there. Um, not having AD, AD coming back in, in, in this next game against we, we played against the Spurs and and I thought it was just a great great kind of um, place to kind of go from in, in, in terms of where, where we are and and we're, we're still in the hunt. We're three games out of fourth place and I think it was a great great start for our team. Yeah, um, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but you were there for the Shannon Sharp situation. So, I mean, what was, like, the take <laughs> takeaway there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think just overall, like, Shannon's known as being, like, the biggest LeBron yeah. guy ever. Defends him. Him and LeBron have a really close relationship. So, I, I don't think there was any harm. I think it was just, like, guys talking crap, and then next thing you know, it's just, th- things just happen. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I didn't really get to see a lot of it because it, it was kind of going into halftime. So, yeah, I was already, like, kind of, like, running away. back. Yeah. yeah, I was, like, running into the back, so I didn't really see see a lot. Um, but I think Dylan Brooks is probably one of the most competitive guys in the NBA. Shannon Sharp is, is telling me he can't guard him. Next thing you know, everyone's coming over. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things where, like, your emotions get the best of you in, in times. And then all of a sudden, like, everyone's going up. I think the good thing about it, though, is they said this on the broadcast, was um, the good thing is that everyone got to stay at the game. Everyone got to stay in their seats. Yeah, like, I Shannon Sharp didn't get kicked situation. out. I saw some people, like, complain about that. I was like, I don't know. Like, he definitely shouldn't get kicked out for that. Well, it's also one of the things. It's like, all right, no one actually like touched anyone. Yeah, it was just you know what an I mean? argument. Like, if there's punches thrown, all right, that's mm-hmm. totally different. But and like, I don't know if Shannon knows Dylan Brooks personally, but it could just be like, just like one of those things where it's like right, you're just hanging out, like just talking crap with yeah. your boy. So yeah, exactly. It's hilarious though. His uh, his quote to Dave McMenamin, who he's talked about on the show, Q's guy, but when he interviewed him in the tunnel was. <laughs> It's the funniest thing ever. I encourage everyone to look that up if you haven't seen it yet. But, um, yeah, that was so funny. All those games are wild, too. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the Rui edition at all or no? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing, there's some moving parts this week with you guys making a trade, acquiring Rui Hachimura from the Wizards. Good young big. Um, I feel like that's kind of like a seamless fit. He played pretty well last night. So, have you met Rui yet? Yeah, I, I've met him a couple times. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in the facility um, early today, um, early before the game. I think before uh, the, the the San Antonio game, and then um, I, I met him in the locker room the first night he was here. So it was it was great to get to know him. He's a really good guy. We actually have a, a mutual friend, Greg Foster. Greg Foster. Uh, Actually, best one of he's best friends with one of my uh, teammates from high school. I played against him when he was at St. Joe's, and but he he was at Gonzaga with Rui, so we kind of had this mutual connection. Um, talked to him for a little bit, but yeah, I think he's a really great player. Uh, I thought he was really good in Washington. Um, we're excited to have him on the team. He's another mm-hmm. big wing, a guy who can stretch the floor, a guy who can make plays. Really good in the mid post, really strong, um, and honestly, just just overall, just. A great player to to fit with LeBron and AD. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like the way our our roster is constructed, we didn't have a lot of wings, a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of taller guys. Um, I mean, Troy Brown was playing the three most of the year. He's he's around six six. I mean, NBA guards are six six now. You yeah. know what I mean, like point point guards. Just the the way the way the league is is trending. So it kind of put a lot of pressure on LeBron and and, and Thomas Bryant to to clean right. up a lot inside. So I think adding Rui, Rui could play a small ball five. He could play a four. He plays. He played the five in college at Gonzaga. So he, he he's obviously got gotten a lot better in his time at Washington, and I think he's he's just a great fit for yeah. our organization and, and, and our team. Yeah, like I said last night, he he fit in pretty seamlessly against the Spurs, um, which is another good win. Three and one week for the Lake Show. So what we can say. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and and going back to the trade, it, it was sad to see Kendrick Nunn go, but I think it's a, yeah. it's a good move for him too. He he had a great game last night, his first game with the Wizards. Dude, he had a crazy he, dunk. He, yeah, a sick dunk. Um, so I, I think overall it, it was it was good for both. I think K Nunn, you know, what I mean, he started out the season slow, but he, he was starting to pick it up as of late, and that, now he kind of gets to uh, kind of gets to just reignite his career again in, in Washington in a situation where they don't have a lot of guards playing playing mm-hmm. a lot of minutes right now. So. It, it's great for him. Yeah. Um, Sorry, we should we forgot to mention at the top, but 
we do have a guest on this episode. A very, very honored to welcome Max Christie onto the show, Lakers rookie, along with you. Um, we just like last week, we haven't taped yet. We're taping this beforehand, but I'm sure Max was very good. Um, yeah. But before we kick it to that, we did have a very good mailbag question of the week this week. Um, it's a little sad, but it's very appropriate for the time. This comes from Jordan. So thank you, Jordan, for sending in the question. It's Show at Gmail to submit your mailbag question of the week, get featured on the show. Um, Jordan asks, with this week being three years since the tragic death of one of the greatest Lakers of all time, which is kind of crazy it's been three years already. does not feel like it was three years. I was wondering if you guys had one Kobe moment that stood out to you as your favorite. And um, he basically just said, you know, Swire, do you have sort of a different perspective on this now than you would have last year given that you're – you know, playing for the organization that Kobe is still probably the face of. So, yeah. Well, going going back to that day that he died, I think. So it's January twenty sixth is my dad's birthday. So obviously, it's 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 a it's a day that that. Happy birthday, Mr. Sweater. Arf- yeah. Yeah, happy birthday, happy birthday, Mr. Sweater. Uh, happy birthday, Dad. Um, it's it's a day that like is is big in our family, right? So. Uh, it's funny to kind of ha- have this day coincide with the death of Kobe Bryant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's one of those days where you remember where you were when you when you heard the news. A hundred percent. Like, I was at Villanova. Uh, we, me, Sadiq Bay, and Brandon Slater, we were all about to go to the to the mall. We were about to go shopping, um, and we heard the news, and we like we didn't move. Like we we decided not to go to the mall. Like we kind of just stuck in our room the rest of the day. Like Sadiq is like the biggest Kobe Bryant fan too, so mm-hmm. um, that that hurt. But I think my favorite Kobe moment is I, I'm a little biased here, but I went to Nike Basketball Academy in um, twenty the summer of 2017, and Kobe actually came in and talked to us. And I remember I asked him a couple questions, but I, I remember the biggest thing that that I took away from. Um, that that talk was that Kobe w- was going to do anything it took, no matter sacrificing relationships, sacrificing monetary gain, sac- mm-hmm. sacrificing uh, just just little time, little time with his, with his family. Like like he put everything into the the craft and the love of the game of basketball, right? Um, and a- after that conversation, like after those questions that that everyone asked him, it just really like shifted my mindset of like all right like this is top five greatest player of all time this is what he did and and what it took for him and also what i took away from is that he wasn't like a normal human being in terms of like how his body could recover too right like yeah he was he was a like he said he used to sleep two hours a night (laughs) like just because he's working out so much he had things to do he was bringing his daughters to school and i think just overall just his the way he matured in the game and, and just got better and um, it was really inspiring for me, but yeah, man, that, 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 That's that, insane. Uh, I never knew you met him. Yeah. I actually have a picture on my Instagram with him. Um, from oh, that. I've seen, yeah, yeah. Maybe I didn't. Yeah. Know so You're, I mean, it, it was, yeah, <laughs> it, it was, uh, it's obviously a day that kind of, um, comes up every year and yeah. it's, it's just a strange, strange thing. And it kind of started that 2020 year with the pandemic. Oh that. yeah, it's just like a horrible year. <laughs> but like you were saying, it's it's definitely. Um, I feel like in our lifetime, our age group, it's the one like celebrity who passed away that everyone just remembers exactly where they were. And I was actually in New York City, um, and we were just walking around shopping. I went to the NBA store, and I mean, you know how the NBA store is in New York. Anyone yeah. who's listening has been in there. It's always mobbed. There's, like, hundreds of people there all the time. We walked in, and they have NBA TV playing on that big screen all the time. And they're obviously just talking about Kobe. And everyone yeah. in the store was just gathered around watching. There's people crying. It was, like, the impact wow. this guy had is insane. Um, but, yeah, that's a great story. I mean, meeting him is, is as cool as it gets. Like I said, insane. It's been in th- three years. But, yeah, thank you to Jordan. Very good question. Um, very good story from Swider. So... Um, we got Max coming on here in a little bit. Do we want to do touch real quick on on Cuse? Um, 
It's a very good showing. You were playing the other night, too. I don't know if you got to see the second half, but pretty yeah. heartbreaking loss. But they still played very well from, from beginning to end. Yeah, I mean, North Carolina's a great team. Obviously, they went to the National Championship last year. Have a lot of the same guys back from that team. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I thought it was a great effort by the guys. Really proud of Joe. Really proud of, like, all the all the young guys who came in and played hard. And um, I think we're just getting better and better each and every game. I, yeah. I think we're putting ourselves in, in a position to, to – <laughs> John Rothstein says it all the time. He said, we're, we're in a position to be in position. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this team. Really excited for the way they're, they're going. And, um, yeah, man, go Cuse. <laughs> yeah, I mean – I was live too in the game. Make sure you follow us to uh, to catch up on those in the future. But we got Max joined here in a second. So hope you guys enjoy this interview. And uh, see you next week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to uh, Max Christie's to the pod, man. Excited to have you, man. Max, how you been? I've been good, man. I've been good. You know, happy to be on this podcast. You know, I've, I've tuned into a few episodes, so I'm happy to be a part of it now. No, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, me and Patty have been talking about you for a couple of weeks and uh, just super excited to get you on the pod and, and uh, everything like that. But uh, for, first things first, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you feel like the last couple of weeks have been for the Lakers? I mean, it's, it's, been a, it's been a crazy up and down ride this season. You've had every role from not playing in the first couple games to starting to now, now you're a regular part of the rotation. Just talk about your rookie year in, in that sense and, um, and and how you think it's gone so far. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster, like you said. You know, went from getting some DMPs at the beginning of the year to now getting opportunities and playing and then sort of getting back to sort of a more reserved role. And then now I'm sort of in the rotation at a regular point, especially with Austin and Lonnie out. I've been you know, given a much more greater opportunity to just sort of, you know, go in and play and try to contribute. But the season's been great, honestly, for me. It's just a big learning experience just being around, you know, a lot of really good vets. Um, you know, our team is really, you know, we got a lot of vets on our team. It's more older guys than young guys. So it's really cool just to be around those guys and see what they what they do and how they do their routines and things like that and just learn. So it's been a pretty successful year so far, I'd say, in, in, in my eyes. Yeah, man, I, I think one of the most impressive things about you is that You've embraced everything from summer league to playing in the G League for a couple games, and you've just been level-headed. And I mean, sometimes, I mean, not a lot of people know this, but Max kind of gets called all over the place. Max just came to uh, Vegas for what was that, Max? 20, 20 hours, and then had to fly out to Toronto. Then he came to Memphis for basically twenty-four hours, and, and had to fly out after that. I mean, that's that's a lot. I mean, I, I've only had to do that a couple. I've only had to do that a couple times, but I mean, Max has just been so great throughout this whole entire process. Um, yeah, how, I what's, mean, the, what's the most amount of days you've you've had a game in a row? Is it four? Um, I think I had a stretch where I played five games in six days. I want to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that nuts. Memphis that Memphis trip, I think, was um, that was a wild one. And then even like from Vegas to Toronto, that was a wild one. So we played in Washington. Then I went from Washington to to or no to uh, Vegas. Went from Vegas. And the crazy thing too is that during the Vegas game at halftime, they said I was going back to Toronto, and I was like, <laughs> "All right, here we go." So I went from Washington to Vegas, Vegas to Toronto, and then we finished out the road trip. We went to Toronto, and then um, we went to some other cities after that. I don't really remember Detroit. It, it, it was just a blur. So 
you know, a lot of games in a row for sure. I can't really, but you never could really complain about playing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, the more opportunities you get to play, the better. Even though if, if it is if it's fatiguing, it's still you know important to get in those games and get that experience, especially at my young age. So real quick, what's what's the flight situation there for you two? Like when you get the call that you're going from Vegas to Toronto, are you going solo? Like how does that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they get you a flight, and then yeah, you're on your own pretty much. You know, they get you into the information. Uh, they get you a car service to the airport, so you don't have to worry about that stuff. You get to the airport, but you're on your own in the airport getting on the plane and getting to your destination and stuff like that. And then car service usually pick you up from the airport to go to the hotel <laughs> to whatever city you're in and then play the next day. Yeah, so it's great. I remember in Toronto, when I went from Vegas to Toronto. It was a late flight from Vegas. It was like 11, I want to say. And from Vegas to Toronto, that's, that's a pretty – Oh, that's real far. That's like – I want to say three or four hours. So I, in mm-hmm. Toronto is on Eastern time. So I lost three hours or two hours yeah. or however long it is. So I didn't get to Toronto till like, I want to say seven or eight in the morning. I didn't get to my room till, game till, that till that time. Yeah. And I had a game that day and it was weird. I slept, obviously slept the whole, the whole day, literally and woke up to get on the bus, go play in Toronto. So that, that day was crazy. I think it's one of those things that you don't really think about when, when you're a casual NBA fan, it's like, all right, like this guy, not this guy was just in in Vegas. I mean, I remember at halftime they, they told him that he was going to Toronto. Our equipment manager for the G League team uh, actually ran back to the hotel, if I'm not mistaken, packed up your packed up your bag, mm-hmm. and then by the time and they told our G League coach like you can't play in the second half, like you have to you have to be ready to <laughs> to, to leave like right after the game. Yeah, it was weird. I was I had a pretty good first half that game, and then obviously I got the call, and then. Jason, our equipment manager, literally, because I hadn't packed. Obviously, I thought I was going to be with you guys for a little while longer. So my stuff is sitting in the hotel as if I'm coming back to the hotel for that night. Jason has to go back to the hotel. I gave him my keys, got to get in my room, pack everything up for me, bring it back to the arena. And then as soon as the game's over, I couldn't even celebrate because that game was an overtime game. It was an overtime game. Scotty had just hit that crazy. And I felt bad as everybody's flushing in, pouring water. I'm, like, getting changed, trying to run out. And it was like (laughs) – yeah, I, I was almost like, damn, like, this sucks, trying to, you know, celebrate with my guys. But Yeah. Max, I, I will say, even even with all the travel and the back-to-back, you still got some bounce. Well, you look like you got fresh legs every game. Yeah, well, I, I got some young <laughs> legs, so I'm trying to yeah, that's true. that as long Very as I can. Very true. Yeah. I, I mean, he did play at Michigan State, but it was only for one year, so those three-hour practices didn't wear on him too long, Patty. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Max, just kind of, just kind of going back to from the from the beginning. Where did you kind of get that love for basketball? Who kind of introduced you to the game? Did your parents play? Um, and kind of just talk about just your, your beginning, your beginnings of basketball. So I'm a big I'm in a big basketball family. I got a younger brother, and then both my parents played. My mom played at Northwestern. It's obviously a Big Ten school, so she played at, you know a pretty high major Division one basketball. And then my dad played Division three in Wisconsin. So both parents play basketball my dad is really the one that really put me into the sport you know when we were young we had a hoop outside in the driveway where we'd go shoot and you know do little ball handling drills or whatnot so um he really you know taught me how to shoot taught me all the fundamentals of the game so that started at a young age and then i really started playing you know organized basketball around like second grade um with my second grade friends that i had at the time we you know my dad was the coach of that team we all came together in this you know community sort of basketball league that we came together in and played and you know ever since i've been playing basketball every year so it's been it's been a long ride for sure and pretty cool to be start from you know second grade and just playing for fun and now you know i'm I'm playing it for a professional career for sure man for sure um kind of going off of that what made you choose your high school because obviously you're five Maybe not the beginning of high school, but you end up being a five-star recruit. You stayed at your public high school for four years. Played with your brother, who's committed to Minnesota now. Um, what 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 made you choose your high school, and then what made you stay at your high school? Because you probably did have all the Lalomiers, the Oak Hills, the IMGs going after you, and um, that that's very enticing as well. Yeah. So obviously, I just went to my public school. You know, in the city limits, that's where everybody goes from where I live. So I happened to be there for you know obviously four years. My freshman and sophomore year were pretty solid. Um, you know, when I made varsity as a freshman, that was like, you know, a pretty big moment and a pretty cool moment for me because that was a goal I had in middle school. I always wanted to be, you know, the, the young freshman on varsity. And so when I was able to do that and had a pretty good freshman year, um, you know, and, and even on the AAU circuit playing for the Illinois Wolves, which is an Under Armour circuit, you know, I had a good year there too. Like you said, you know, some teams like IMG and, you know, Montbird and those teams were sort of 
you know, asking me to come play for them. But for me, it was really just like, I felt like I didn't have a reason to really go. There was really no, like, no big pulling factor for me to leave or, you know, where I was from. I got all my friends here, you know, huge support from the Rolling Meadows community. Everybody, you know, was really trying to support me and, you know, wants me to do good. So, um, I just felt like there was no reason for me to leave. And then on top of that, you know, I had just had to wait two years after my sophomore year, my younger brother Cam got to play. Um, we got to play with each other junior and senior year. Uh, so he was a freshman on varsity too, and had those really two years, you know, of, of a really cool experience. You don't really play with family members that often, you know, at all, let alone at the high school level. So, you know, hopefully you're trying to replicate that. Hopefully you can get to the NBA, but you know, I just felt like there was no reason for me to leave. It was just a really cool spot for me. What was that experience like? How do you deal with playing with your brother? Because I know my younger brother, he if I would play with him, I would probably I'd, I'd kill him. You know what I mean? He's always <laughs> yeah. Patty knows thing, my young yeah Patty knows know, my younger brother. I know Connor a lot, but the other thing is a lot of people can relate to like playing with siblings, but not both of them go and play in the Big Ten. So you know when you when you two are on the court together, it's one thing, but when you're completely tearing it up, I'm sure it's it's it brings another level of satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool that, you know, our senior year, we went 15-0. It was, that was our COVID season, so we didn't get to play a full season. Oh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it was still cool, you know. Um, you know, obviously, both of us were really good players, and so it almost took the load off of me. Everybody, you know, couldn't really double-team me or triple-team me, and if they did, Cam was going to, you know, go get his. So, it made it easier for me, and obviously, he's a really good player, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does at Minnesota. Um, but he's obviously a really good player, so it was fun to play with him in that aspect. Um, so we haven't interviewed anyone. We've talked about COVID with a lot of our guests, but for the most part, they've been either in college or even starting their professional career. So what was the recruiting process like for you dealing with that? And how did that kind of change things? Yeah, yeah. You know, recruiting with COVID is a lot of things like the Zoom calls with, with coaches. So, you know, that that was sort of a pain at times. You know, you couldn't go to the campuses and really get the feel for it. Um, and Michigan state was actually the only official visit I took before COVID shut everything down. So it sort of gave them an unfair advantage, if you will, in the recruiting process. But, um, that's what it was like, just a bunch of zoom calls and live shows and, you know, hour, two hour zoom calls, you know, sitting with the family, talking with the coaches over a video conference. So, you know, it was definitely a tough time trying to pick a school when something like that was going on. Mm -hmm. When, when, when choosing Michigan State, or even your whole entire recruiting process, was the conversation of a one and done a main topic in in your in your recruiting process, or were you looking at as I could be here for two to I could be here for four years, I'll be here for two years? Like, what, what was that conversation like? Because I was a I was a top thirty five player in my class, but I never had the one and done conversations because that was a, obviously a very realistic uh, opportunity for you. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was brought up very often, to be honest. And in my eyes, in my opinion, and what I was thinking was, it, I didn't mind. If I was a one-and-done, great. If I was two years, three years, great. It wasn't like the end of the world if I was there for more than one year. You know, I just wanted to be where I was. I wanted to contribute to the team, win as many games as we possibly could. And so um, I wouldn't say it was a big topic where, you know, I'd go into these Zoom meetings or, you know, video calls or, you know, in-person meetings with these coaches and be like, hey, I want to be here for one year and I'm out. That, that wasn't the case for me. I always wanted to, you know, put the team first, not just put myself first. I wanted to make sure that I was going to contribute to the team and, and put the team first before I was thinking about myself in that aspect. Yeah, man, it's definitely it's definitely a re the reason why you're able to be so successful as a rookie with the Lakers. I mean, I think one of the, the main things that makes you so special in terms of the Lakers that you don't need the ball in your hands to be effective. You're, you're a really good defender. You, you make open threes. And playing with LeBron and Russell Westbrook, I mean – you kind of had that role a little bit at Michigan State, but at the same time, you were able to kind of go off. Talk about that. You obviously d decided to go to Michigan State. Talk about that decision and talk about how that kind of prepared you playing with LeBron and Russ and, and AD and all these guys and, and how that how that's kind of gone for you. Yeah, well, Michigan State, first off, I chose them because, you know, obviously it's one of the most prestigious programs of all time in college basketball. You have a Hall of Fame coach in Tom Izzo. You got a lot of decorated players and Draymond Green and Denzel Valentine and you know a whole bunch of players that have come out there and been successful at the next level so that was a really you know enticing thing for me just to be a part of that sort of culture and obviously coach Izzo is one of the he's pretty he's known for his toughness and you know his yelling at his players and you know really holding them accountable so I really thought that'd be good for me just to you know build that sort of mental toughness be around that sort of atmosphere 
because it really doesn't get harder than that really in, in, at Michigan State. You know, he holds you to the highest highest standards. So that was really good for me. And then, you know, when it comes to on the court, um, obviously in high school it was a little bit different where I had the ball in my hands 24-7. I could have done whatever the hell I wanted to with it. Um, but obviously going into Michigan State, college basketball, and even the NBA, um, it's a lot different. Um, and I didn't have the ball in my hands all the time at Michigan State especially, um, and even now. And that's that was a transition for me for sure. Um, I think I had a lot of growing pains at Michigan State. I had a lot of struggles going through, you know, that sort of role change and that role switch for me. But I think it was good. It really helped me, you know, capitalize on my opportunities now that I had that experience last year where I was able to become more of a, a much more lethal defender and be more active off the ball, become a better rebounding guard um, and things of that nature and playing off the ball, hitting open three, spotting up um, and not just being able to or not having to just create every single time I had the ball. So. You know, Michigan State, I think that whole experience for me was what really got me ready for what I'm, you know, embracing and experiencing right now. And I think if I didn't go to Michigan State, things would be a lot different and it'd be a lot harder. If I didn't go to Michigan State and was thrust into what I'm in now, I think it would be a lot harder because I think Michigan State and the experiences I went through there really, like, find me, really helped me um, to, to be successful in where I'm at right now. So, you know, a lot of people ask if I had to do it over again when I go to Michigan State, I, 100% I would go there again, for sure. I mean, that was... That, that experience for me, that whole year, for me, was really important. One thing you mentioned is uh, kind of coaches a style. I feel like now it's kind of something that's basically going extinct with a lot of coaches. It's, it's sort of like looked at as this old school type of style where he's not afraid to get on his players. And um, like you mentioned, Swider has the experience of playing for a Hall of Famer. You play with Coach Izzo. But I think such a fascinating thing about Coach Izzo is whenever a clip like that comes out, of him screaming at a player or getting on someone. If you log on Twitter, there's so many people complaining about it, and all the replies to them are former players like Draymond, like you mentioned, or Denzel Valentine or Cassius Winston, and they're saying, like, no, he's our guy. Like, that's his style. We love playing for him. We love the guy. How do you think he's kind of able to strike that balance and, and make that style work and have his players completely love him when, at face value, it looks like he's kind of gotten it, getting it on you guys a lot? Well... I think as players, when you experience that so often and you just tend to realize that he's doing it for the greater good of yourself and the team, it's not like he's trying to get personal with you. He has a vendetta against you. So he's just going to yell at you every time you make a mistake. It's really yelling at you in retrospect of the team. He's got to see that you've got to see the whole team aspect to it. Um, whereas if you made that mistake and he didn't get on you, um, either a, he didn't care, which never really was the case that's a bad spot um, to be in yeah right that's a bad spot to be in or b obviously he wasn't looking out for the team and you know he's always he's always been you know a big team oriented guy and he won that one national championship with Mateen Cleaves in 2000 and you know he always says he got a taste of that championship once and then it's, it's almost like he wants it again and again and again it's almost like an addiction right so mm -hmm. he knows what it takes to get to that level and he's going to hold you to the highest standard to, to get to that level that he wants to take uh take the team to and obviously he's going to make you guys you know do that for him right so he is the last big 10 coach to win a national championship right mm -hmm. so unless you unless you count maryland yeah no I don't, yeah <laughs> no i don't count maryland. um so explain the big 10 to me because obviously the big 10 is is, is touted to be like the, the best conference in college basketball every single year but you guys haven't won a national championship since 2000 just just, just explain that to me yeah, you know, that's interesting. We always, I mean, every year we send the most teams to the, to the tournament. I mean, it's yeah. not, usually almost every single year we send the most teams to the tournament. But you're right. I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, we, we can't get all the way to the end. But <laughs> the thing in the Big Ten is, uh, you know, every team can give you a scare, especially when you're on the road and there's, you know, you fall into these trap games. You know, we had a few of those last year, actually, when um, we lost Northwestern at home. That was definitely a trap game. They had Remember that game, um, Pete Nance was out, one of their players. He's playing at North Carolina right now. He just transferred. Yep. So he was one of their better players, and I remember he was out um, that game. And, you know, a lot of the guys were sort of like, oh, free win. You know, Michigan State at home against Northwestern. There's no way we dropped this right. And then we ended up losing. Um, and that was, that, was a, that was a big loss. That was a big loss. So, obviously, with that being said, you know, any team can give you a scare at any night, especially going into these road games. Like, you go play Rutgers at Rutgers. Like, that's a hard place to play. You know, Rutgers is really scrappy, you know, to do all the intangibles, defensive-minded type teams, and you go into their place, you know, and their fans are always loud. Like, that's a tough place to win, you know, and it doesn't matter. And 
you know, Purdue, you know, Mackey Arena and Assembly Hall, Indiana, those are, you know, some of the most infamous places, you know, in the country to play at and one of the hardest places, you know, the hardest places to win. So the Big Ten's got a lot of good teams and you can't overlook any of them because they'll yeah. give you some scares and they'll, they'll sneak up on you. No, it makes no sense right now is that Purdue is number one in the country and no one else in the Big Ten is even ranked. I don't get that at all. Yeah, uh, you know, some teams, Wisconsin was ranked earlier in the, uh, at the yeah, time, yeah. Michigan State was ranked earlier, but Purdue, man, they got they got Zach Eady in there. That's a hard yeah, man to stop, you know what I'm saying? And the crazy thing is, too, before the season, nobody thought, you know, everybody that was, you know, putting out the Big Ten rankings and who's going to win the Big Ten. Nobody thought Purdue was going to win. Nah. I know. I remember everybody picked Indiana to win, and on paper, Indiana was for sure should yeah. win. They, you know, they've got some bad injuries now, but um, – you know, nobody thought Purdue was going to be where they're at right now. That's for sure. So they've been number one, you know, for two years in a row now. So they, you know, they're they're doing a good job. For sure, man. I mean, Purdue's always. I think Matt Painter's a great coach as well. He, yeah. Every single year, he he had he had a great quote the other day um, when a reporter asked him about like I think it was like a McDonald's All American stat or something like that, and he basically said we, we just go out and find guys who who are willing to get better, who are willing to work for your guys. Kind of like that Villanova mindset of like we're not going to. They've had their fair share of McDonald's All-Americans at Villanova, but uh, kind of just find those those tweeners, those guys who are going to work hard every single day. And I mean, your Final Five included Duke, Villanova, Ohio State, uh, did I say Purdue, and, and obviously Michigan State. Um, yeah, yeah. So obviously after your freshman year at Michigan State, what kind of went into your decision to, to declare for the draft, sign with an agent? and then ultimately decide to, to put your name in the draft. Yeah, so at first it was really testing the waters because the year I had, it really wasn't, if you look at the numbers and you look at, you know, sort of the way I played, it really wasn't like a, you know, a NBA caliber type season where I could just go. Um, so I had to test the waters at first, and I was definitely, you know, on the fence. I was in between, you know, should I go, should I stay one more year, and – I didn't really know. And so, you know, I, I put my name in, in, in the draft, but just, you know, the testing the waters where I wasn't fully in, did a few workouts, you know, thought I did a pretty good job at a few and, you know, started to get my confidence back, felt like I belonged. Um, and right before the combine, I think it was the day before it started, um, I put my name in the draft sign with an agent um, and announced that whole ordeal. And I think it was just sort of betting, me betting on myself, really, you know, I felt like I, I had belonged in this league, you know, I think, you know, I worked hard enough to, to put myself, you know, in that in the draft and trusted my work ethic enough that a team was going to take a chance on me. And, you know, thankfully the Lakers did. And I think so far it's paying off. And, you know, I'm going to keep working hard and keep working as hard as I can to, to, to stay on that path that I'm on right now. No, for sure. Um, I, I think a lot of people don't know that you didn't even work out for the Lakers. Talk about <laughs> – obviously talk about the emotions of, of draft night, the whole entire experience. You were, you were in New York – for the draft, but then going to a team you didn't even work out for, you you have no knowledge of. Did, did you interview with them at the combine? Yeah, but just talk about that 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 night and the in the emotions of that night, having your family there, and and you finally accomplish your dream of getting drafted. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, that night was... Jeez, that night was so it was so crazy. I don't think I've ever been that like emotional. Not even like like crying tears emotional, but like just a circus. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know where I was going, um, and obviously I, I thought I was going to go a little bit higher. I'd kill these workouts. You know, these teams were obviously you know telling me you did a good job, blah blah blah, whatnot. And so it was hard seeing some of these teams sort of you know pass up on me, and you know seeing some of these guys drafting ahead of me and. I mean, everybody has this story. You see the guys drafted ahead of you and you start to get motivated and whatnot. So that's how I was sort of feeling in, in my spot when I was in, in the Barclays Center in New York. So um, so it was an emotional night then when we got to 35. Um, after, after like 30, 31, 32, I was like, uh-oh, this isn't looking good because I had no idea where, no idea where I was going to go. So 35 comes around and 
um, figured out that the Lakers had bought that pick from the Magic. And, you know, Asian calls me and he's like, yeah, the Lakers are going to take you. And I was like, well, I was surprised. <laughs> didn't work out for the Lakers, like you said. Didn't work out for him. Only had an interview with them. And first off, it's the Lakers of all teams. That's, you know, arguably the most prestigious team in the NBA right next to the Celtics. And then along with the people on the team, LeBron, Pat Bev, he was coming in and, and, and uh, AD, Russ. Um, so, I mean, I was pretty excited. I was pretty excited um, to, you know, figure out that I was going to the Lakers of all places. No, for sure. And I think you've done a great job of handling all those expectations of mm -hmm. being a Laker. Um, shortly after the draft, you fly to L.A., we meet for the first time, um, and then, then you head into Summer League. Talk about Summer League. Talk about what you learned in Summer League and, and how that helped you kind of uh, go into the season, to the preseason, to the training camp, to the on-court workouts that we that we did after in August, and, and how that's all like kind of meshed you into the player you are right now and, and you're becoming as well. Yeah, so Summer League was um, – that was an interesting time for me. Uh, I, if you look at the stats again, I didn't really play very well. Didn't shoot it well, didn't, you know, shoot the three well. Didn't – did all the intangibles, I guess, rebounded well, defended well, you know, that whole sort of thing. But the ball was not going through the hoop at all. Um, and so I think for a lot of people on the outside who, you know, not in the organization, raised a lot of red flags. I know a lot of people were like, oh, Lakers messed up again, you know, bad draft pick, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And so – you know, summer league was tough for me, you know, because that was my first real like NBA acting, if you will. Um, and I had just come off, you know, coming in. I wasn't really even, you know, I, I was at a point in time where I wasn't even sure I was going to, I should be in the draft. And then eventually I did. And then, you know, playing in the summer league and not necessarily playing great. It was sort of a roller coaster for me for sure. And then I just sort of had to calm myself down a little bit after summer league and realize, you know, the position I was in. And all I really had to do was work hard and just work on my craft every single day. Um, and I just trusted the work and eventually, you know, I worked hard almost every day, you know, throughout the summer and August, September, leading up to the preseason, you know, going into these practices, trying to get my extra work in, trying to lift weights with Randy extra and doing those type of things. And then I think the work has paid off now where I sort of turn it around almost in a full 180 or 360 from, you know, from summer league to now. So, you know, it's worked out, it's paid off, you know, pretty nicely having that sort of adversity for, you know, however long it was, two weeks, I want to say two and a half weeks of summer league games to, you know, now being more than halfway through the NBA season, I've, I've made a pretty big turnaround. Yeah. Uh, before we mentioned like kind of the travel aspect where people on the outside looking in, you don't necessarily think of all oh, these guys are going back and forth. They're getting into hotels at seven, eight o'clock. And basically at the people don't realize like you guys are just human beings at the end of the day. Like we're all, you guys are all, I mean, you're 20 years old, Max, but I saw an interview last 19. Oh, yeah, two two weeks from now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I saw an interview when you made your first start at Denver a few weeks ago, and they basically just said, like, what was your reaction? You were like, the coaches came in probably a half hour before tip, and then I went and grabbed my phone. I only had time to text my mom. So we asked you about, like, your emotions when you're getting drafted, but there's this progression where you're kind of starting to play a little bit and you get your first start, and you played very well in that game. Swider played a lot of minutes in that game, too. It was a fun game to watch. But um, kind of what's the reflection like there where it's not like you're just in the league now. It's You're starting, you're playing against the MVP and Nikola Jokic, and you're wearing, like you said, one of the most pre prestigious jerseys in the NBA, but you're starting in the game. Right, yeah. Now, that game or that night when we played in Denver, that was a really – that was really cool for me because I think going into the season, I hadn't really expected to, you know, play as much or at all even. It was mostly, I thought it was just going to be, you know, see everybody in front of you, observe everybody in front of you, learn what you can, come back next year, work hard, and hopefully get an opportunity. And so now going into that game where we had injuries and all of a sudden, you know, 40 minutes, half hour before the game, I learned that I'm starting. That was a pretty cool moment for me how much I've exceeded my own expectations, you know, I'm sure everybody else has their own expectations, but really my own expectations that I exceeded, that was really cool for me. Um, and then, like you said, the performance that I had where I, you know, played really well um, mm -hmm. in that game, that was, it was just sort of icing on the cake for that, that night. And just that, that type of atmosphere that I was in that I had for myself where I started a game and not only started played against, I think the Denver was number one in the West at the time. So yeah. I think they still are now. So playing against a pretty high level opponent, um, with Jamal Murray, like you said, Jokic, you know, the back-to-back -back MVP, 
and I'm starting in that game and I'm actually playing very well as if, you know, I belonged out there. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, Max. So obviously you've gotten to play with LeBron a lot now. LeBron's obviously, for, for me, was my favorite player growing up. Uh, for us, like kind of like an icon in, in terms of basketball and everything like that. Do you have any, I mean, I have my fair share of moments that, that I've had of just, of everything like that. First, can you give us your earliest memory of LeBron since he's basically been in the NBA longer than you've lived? <laughs> and and secondly, can you give us a LeBron story from this year that's kind of opened your eyes to, to his greatness and, and, and how, how he's kind of helped you grow this year? Yeah, earliest memory of LeBron. Um, you know, I have a lot. Obviously, him when he was first drafted, when he played early in Cleveland in his first stint with Cleveland. But I remember when he... Um, I think he was playing for Miami. He might have been playing for Cleveland, but I think he was playing for Miami. And I was a big Bulls fan at the time because um, I was from, you know, that area and from Chicago. So I was a big Bulls fan at the time. The Heat were playing the Bulls um, in the playoffs. And obviously I remember LeBron going on a tear in that playoffs. Obviously they beat us in that series and obviously went on to, to do great things in that playoffs. Um, but that was my first early memory of him watching, you know, my Bulls at the time, you know, watching LeBron's just sort of do his thing in Miami, just doing what he normally does now. And it's crazy what he did, what he did in Miami multiple years ago is almost identical to what he's doing now, which is <laughs> multiple years later. He's freaking 38 years old now. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So, um, and then my first or not my first, you know, something that has opened my eyes with him, I think. When we played in Charlotte, I don't know if you were there, but when we played in Charlotte and you had Dennis through that lob and you had that sort of, you know, reverse, mm -hmm. that was, I was, I was so shocked because I, I knew he was going to dunk it, but I didn't think he was going to do all that. I was like, there's like, but it's crazy. You just remember this dude's 38 years old, year 20, and he's still doing some crazy stuff like that. I mean, he has his moments for sure, but that one for me was like I wasn't expecting that in the slightest, and he went off and just did some you know crazy stuff like that. That was that was pretty ridiculous. I had a, I had a moment the other night where I was sitting next to Jordan Knott, one of our assistants, Michigan State guy, um, and LeBron hit a three. I think it was his forty sixth point against the Clippers. I looked over, and I'm like, this is just like ridiculous. <laughs> then we have a then we have a I think they call a timeout after that, and Juan Descano Anderson. I was talking to Juan. And ho hopefully we'll get him on the podcast soon. But talking to Juan, he's like, he's like, you have these moments of like thinking that it's like regular what he's doing because he does it every single night. Like like he scores forty and thirty and forty six and and forty seven on his birthday, and you like and you start and you you start to like not feel like the great like you, you just think it's just normal, but then you get used to it. And he's like, that's how he felt with Steph too. Like Steph went on a run when he was there where he averaged like forty five in one month. You know what I mean? It's like, no, like this isn't normal. We need to like step back yeah. and and like realize what we're like, what we're watching, because I feel like that's just like the the greatness of these players in our generation right now, from the Dames having sixty last night to the Stephs to LeBron, what he's what he's been doing the past month and a half since AD's been out, like just the all these great players and the performances they're having. I, I think it's just such a great time to be in the NBA, be a young player in the NBA. Um, it's just, just an amazing, just an yeah. amazing. One thing that's that's been cool in recent weeks is I feel like LeBron is starting to sort of get his flowers because he's approaching this record. So there's been a lot of reflection pieces on social media and ESPN and stuff where they talk about some of like the biggest moments of his career. So for you two being in the locker room, how do you expect that to go? We're, I don't know, depending on the game. If he keeps scoring 40 a game, it might be in like – <laughs> three games two games <laughs> yeah he's he's really approaching it here so how's that kind of feeling in the locker room i'm sure you guys don't talk about it much but man when he when he gets that i don't i'm not sure what's gonna happen you know obviously when he scores that i wouldn't be surprised if the whole game stops after he scores honestly i, I think they should stop the whole goddamn game just to yeah, celebrate 100 so you know that'll happen in my opinion for sure I know as teammates, coaches, everybody around, we're going to be really excited for him after that game. We're going to be all over him, dump water all over him, whatever. So it's going to be a really cool moment, especially for me coming into my rookie year and having seeing, you know, being a part of something like that so up close. That That's going to be something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's going to be, you know, so many, you know, pres prestigious people at that game, I'm assuming. When, you know, that game comes up, there's going to be, geez, icons all over the place so 
not only seeing those type of people, but, you know, seeing LeBron do what he's about to do and being his teammate for that, you know, it's, it's going to be a really cool, really yeah. cool day as a whole, you know. Swatter, I also, I looked it up. Um, everyone, listeners will know LeBron's first game was in Sacramento. Max Christie was born February 10th, 2003. That game was in November of 2003, so you were nine months old when he first, first scored his bucket. Now you're going to be on the court with him when he breaks the record, which is pretty insane. I think one thing about LeBron that's been so impressive throughout this whole entire time is he doesn't really like talk about the the scoring record, right? Like Everyone asks him every single game about the scoring record. You're approaching the scoring record. And he's like, I'm just trying to help this team win. And I don't know about Max's perspective, but for me, just being in a locker room with him, it's like he truly means that. He's he's going over film it just as hard as as the coaches are. He's trying to tell me and Max what to do. I, I remember me and Max, I, I lit up a three to Luka on, in his, on this left wing. And then, like, three plays later, he kind of hits Max with the same move. And he, he looks over to me and Max is like, Rookies, you guys are playing hard as shit right now. But you got, you got to know the scouting report. And Max is obviously a, a very good defender. He, he And I want to get Max's flowers. Matt, every single game someone goes at Max, and Max handles it every single Like, last game or two games ago against the Clippers, PG was sizing him up. Max gets a stop, and I, and I'm, I just get so fired up for him just because it's like every single game he has those tough tough assignments, and he's just responded. But I just think LeBron's attention to detail, the way he approaches every single game, he makes us feel like like we're in it. So um, I don't know. It's just it's just a, it's just been an amazing experience for me, especially him being my favorite player ever growing up. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really cool seeing what he does and. Obviously, he's twenty years of experience, and he's you know he's out there talking with us, even in the locker room at halftime. We're trying to make adjustments, and just the way he's saying things, sometimes I can't even comprehend it because obviously he's got twenty more years of experience than I do, and so you know he's played in multiple NBA finals, and he's you know played against these teams so many times, and he knows these players down like you know it's on the back of his hand, and so you know he's making these adjustments. It's just really cool to see his IQ of the game and how he displays it to us. Um, it's really cool for me to see, especially, you know, in my position where I'm trying to learn and see and observe as much as I can, you know, getting the opportunity to see how he talks to the team and talks to his teammates and even the coaches about trying to make these adjustments and what he's seeing on the floor. So it's a pretty cool place to be in for sure. Again, Max, thanks for coming on. We won't take too much of your time here. Just one final question. Like, what are your goals for the rest of this rookie year? Um, like we've talked about before, you're progressing pretty steadily as, as you get going here. So all-star breaks coming up there's a stretch run you guys got a playoff push coming what are some of like your individual goals to kind of finish out the rookie year strong um i think the biggest individual goal for me is just to sustain what i've been doing you know for the past you know few games few weeks few months so you know it's you know it's easy to sort of get there i wouldn't say it's easy but when you get there it's it's easy to sort of let it all up you know what i'm saying so i'm trying to find ways to sustain the way i've been playing you know, for the rest of the season or as long as I possibly can. And so, you know, I'm trying to do extra things like taking care of my body and watching film and, you know, just doing things to help me sustain that the type of level that I'm playing at right now and just making the most of my opportunities. I know, you know, it's still going to be an up and down ride and, you know, I'm still a rookie in this league and, you know, rookies go through a lot of things that most people don't. Um, like, for example, you know, how we talked about it earlier in the show, the DMPs to starting to, you know, not playing maybe 15 minutes a game, then going back to 30 minutes, then getting DMPs again. So trying to have a level head through all of that, especially when guys are coming back now like Lonnie and Austin and, and you know, we're getting a lot of our firepower back. Um, you know, I just got to be able to manage that sort of roller coaster of emotions, both mentally and physically, and being able to sustain the level that I can play at, you know, when I get those opportunities. So that's probably the biggest goal for me. Max, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, super proud of you. Just see, just see how far you've come from when I when I first known you too. I mean, I think you've just done a great job staying level headed, just rolling with the punches from G League to NBA to from summer league, just all these things. I'm just super proud of you, bro. Um, from a fellow rookie, um, I'm excited to keep watching your growth and um, yeah, Thanks. man, you, really, really bright future in the in the NBA. We got now Max, Austin, Scotty, Dev from the Lakers and South Bay Lakers. So it's our fourth one. Hopefully, hopefully we can check off the whole roster. Yeah, that'd be great, man. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Well, <laughs> hey, I appreciate Max, you guys having me on. Max actually told me he's going to get LeBron on the podcast. So yeah. Don't, don't hold him to it. <laughs> don't but. bury the lead. Don't yeah, hold yeah. me to it, but I, I got you guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> First interview after he breaks the record, Swider Show. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, we, we appreciate it, bro. Thanks, Max. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show, and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, Show at gmail.com and of course if you haven't already make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week cole swider show with patty casey is presented by blue wire podcast and our executive producer is adam lewis swider show is created by cole swider patty casey and producer adam lewis all rights reserved thank you guys we'll see you next week